Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. You know, likelihood, there's not a mom in this room that hasn't granted a do-over to one or all of her children. There's a couple of reasons for that, typically. One is they've been granted a do-over from their mom and or from the Lord. The other is the love that they have for their children, both of which we can glean from God as well. Um, It's love that motivates most do-overs. We're going to see that today in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And it's going to be a rather lengthy reading in comparison to what we typically do on Sunday, but I want you to see this full story unfold as, as it's written uh, because it's, uh, it's a compelling, compelling story. Mainly the moms, but we can all glean some things from it. 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man from Ramathiam named Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, son of Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double, double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? And when they had finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or anything stronger. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. 
When the man Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best for you, Elkanah said, uh, told her. Stay there, stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make, you, make, make good on his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I will give him to the Lord, for his whole life will be given over to the Lord. And she worshiped the Lord there. Now, four things that I want to glean today from Hannah's do-over, her second chance. The first is this, is that her second chance was not of her own making. It wasn't of her own making. Look again at verse 5. But Hannah said, Hannah gave the double, uh, uh, Hannah, to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. So it wasn't anything Anna had done or hadn't done uh, to, to make her childless. She, she wasn't disobedient. She had no physical problems or health problems that we know about, at least that is written here. She hadn't been an embarrassment to God or to her husband at all. So then why did God close her womb? Well, we don't know for certain, but we'll see in just a minute that she finally got to the end of herself, uh, whether, whether that was brought on by uh, Panina's continual provoking her when they'd go up to the temple, poking at her and prodding at her, at her spirit, or whether she was hurt or upset. Uh, but either way, she reached a breaking point. Don't, don't forget this. God almost always has to get us to the end of ourself, to the end of our resources, to the end of our capabilities, before we see his handiwork, whether that's rescue, whether that's blessing, whether that's a miracle of some kind. He almost always has to get us to the end of ourselves before we see that. We seldom see it until we get there. Now, that's not a place any of us goes looking for or desires. That's usually how he works with us. In fact, most of us are quick to, would be in these, in these circumstances, be, be quick to play the blame game. But she doesn't do that. Uh, Panina does, Elkanah's other wife. But, and what's up with Elkanah wanting two wives? I don't, anyway, most of us are quick to play the blame game. Um, when things don't go on away, but this, this wasn't on Hannah. This was on God. God clearly closed her womb, it said in verse 5. The second thing I want to see about her second chance was not only it wasn't of her own making, but secondly, it brought her to fervent prayer. It brought Hannah to fervent prayer. Look at verse 10. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. Bitterness of soul, she wept much and prayed to the Lord. First of all, we see in verse 9 that Hannah stood up. Now, this was an unusual occurrence to stand up in church for one thing and for a woman to stand up in church on top of that just wasn't done. It was taboo. But it shows how desperate she had become to have her prayer answered by God. Then from the depths of, of a bitter soul she cries out in prayer to the Lord and the main thing she asks of the Lord two simple words and this is a great prayer. Remember me. Remember me. Is, 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 was the bulk of what her, what her prayer was about. 
uh, her wanting but having no children had gone on for years. And uh, you could see why she was probably felt felt forgotten by God and asked for him to remember her. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Something you prayed about for yourself or for a child or for a friend, for a parent, family member, that it seems God hasn't answered or it seems he said no. Um, And I say seems because oftentimes we confuse no for wait. We'll confuse no for, yes, I'm going to do that, but not today. The the situation isn't right. The the circumstances aren't ready. In fact, you're not ready for this. So that's, she was, she was diligent and fervent in her prayer. Uh, It's, and it's, it's, it's difficult to get a wait answer before the Lord or or a no answer before him. That's what she had gotten up to this point. Uh, Hannah's, Outburst of public prayer was about as radical and risky as, as anything you could do in that day, uh, especially in this setting. But she knew that prayer was the vehicle to getting God to give her a son. She knew that prayer was the vehicle for that, and so she didn't stop praying. In fact, uh, she, she's, she continues her lips. We read her lips continue, after she stopped praying. Her lips continued to move in silent prayer. Eli thinks she's drunk and confronts her about it. She says, no, no, I'm not. I'm just serious about reaching God. I'm serious about having him answer my prayer. So she was, she was her, her second chance brought her to fervent prayer. Thirdly, and a second chance was not of her own making, it brought her to prayer. But thirdly, her, her second chance was never out of God's sight. It was never out of God's sight. Look at verse 19. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and watch this. The Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered her. So Hannah prays, remember me? What happens? The Lord remembers her. Here's her prayer. There are two great lessons I think it's essential for us to learn about prayer in general, but her prayer specifically, that can help us. The first is this. Is that Hannah's prayer was not only passionate, it was specific. I encourage you to give voice audible voice to God in prayer about things that are bothering you, whatever concerns you, to pray specifically to him about that because he already knows that in the first place. He knows your heart. He knows what, why you're praying to him, why you're bringing your burdens to him. He, he already gets it. And, and as I've said many times before, he's probably already involved in that answer being brought about. But he, he, he knows anyway. So pray specifically. Pray passionately, specifically. The second thing um, I want us to see from her prayer is she stayed at it. As I said, even after she stopped audibly praying, she kept praying in silence. Her, her lips were, were continually moving. Uh, she was in a, in, a, in a spirit of prayer, in a posture of persistent prayer. You've heard me say before that prayer is more about positioning than production. And it is. It's more about our submission, our posture before the Lord, than it is about the answer, whether we receive the answer we want today, later, or not at all. It's more about our submitting ourselves to his authority, uh, our our submission to who he is, and the fact that he's the one that can make this come about. Uh, Her prayer revealed that we're never out of God's sight. We're never off of his heart. Remember me, she said, and he remembered her. And this, this, uh, this takeaway from her is, I think, essential for us to see. Well, Hannah's second chance was not of her own making. It brought her to fervent prayer. Thirdly, was never out of God's sight. Fourth thing I want us to see from her second chance was she saw a promise fulfilled. 
Hannah saw a promise fulfilled. Look at verse 28 with me. It says, so now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. It wasn't unusual <clears throat> during this time, or those days actually, for women to nurse their children until they were three to five years old. I know that isn't done anymore. It's kind of taboo, but that, that wasn't an, an, an unusual occurrence in that day. And so, in all likelihood, that's the age range that Samuel was when she brought him to the temple. Um, three to five years old. Moms, put yourself in her shoes. You got a three to five year old little boy. You're packing up all of his stuff, taking him to the temple, and leaving him there. You can imagine what that would do to your heart. I think of Samuel. This doesn't say how he responded. And we see in later chapters that God had designed all of this because he had a great plan for Samuel's life. But you can put yourself in, in young Samuel's uh, shoes, three to five years old. Mom's walking away from you. Don't leave me here, Mom. He was too young to understand the plans of God, but she wasn't because we saw, we see in chapter two that she goes on to have more children um, from Hannah's prayer in chapter two. What she knew in this moment and, and remembered in this moment was a prayer and a promise. A prayer that she had prayed to God and a promise that she had made to him. And so she was able, with that prayer and promise, to walk away from her son and give him to the Lord. Uh, it's what, what, what an incredible testimony of her faith and, and later of the faith of Samuel that we see. Uh, knowing that God's ways are above, above our ways and seeing the evidence of that and how God met her need and gave her a second chance to have a child. Uh, she saw his handiwork and trusted in God's handiwork throughout this process. And that's a great lesson for us also, for us to learn. Three observations I want to make as we close today. Uh, primarily the moms, but not exclusively. Moms, if God grants you a do-over, don't miss a second chance with your children. Don't miss it. We, we talked this past uh, week's session of uh, grandparenting matters in our group about when our children become adults, we lose control. In fact, we, we start to lose control in, in adolescence. You have a great deal of control when you're young. You control every, every, every aspect of their life, their food, their clothing, their shelter, their nurturing, their care of any kind. But as they get older, you lose control, but your influence increases, hopefully if you've sowed in the right seed. So the adult children, you can no longer control, but you still have influence, or you should. Uh, if you miss the opportunity for, for the do-over, for the second chance with them, you may miss, some, you may see some influence go by the wayside that, shouldn't, that wouldn't otherwise or shouldn't have to happen. So don't miss that, moms. Son or daughter, 
If you have the opportunity for a do-over, don't miss the second chance with mom. Say, you don't know how my mom treated me. You don't know what, what my mom said to me. You don't know how my mom... No, I don't. I don't know any of those things, but I, knew, I do know this. I know your sins that God forgave you and my sins that God forgave me. And whatever it is your mom has done to hurt you or sin against you can be forgiven too. And I want to encourage you to do that. Give her a second chance. See, she don't deserve a second chance. Perhaps not, but you don't either. And you were given one, and I've been given many. Don't miss the second chance. Finally, which is really probably more important than either of those two, Mom, if God grants you a do-over, don't miss your second chance with him. It may be the last one you get. Maybe not. But don't miss your second chance with him. Missing that may mean salvation for you if you don't know him. Or if you do, it may miss a side, seeing a side of him, understanding a part of his nature that you would never have otherwise seen apart from that second chance. Don't miss your second chance with, with your kids. Don't miss your second chance with God. And I'm going to tell you, God will honor those things with do-overs for you again and again and again. Um, let's pray. Father, without the do-over, <clears throat> we have no hope. Because what happened at the cross for us and for you was an ultimate do-over for None of us deserve your forgiveness. We can't earn our way to you. I'm glad it's not based on my works that I have no hope. But the cross says, I'm giving you a second chance. So would every, every mom in this room learn to model the picture of the cross today and grant the second chance, or grant the do-over? Would every son and daughter who perhaps thinks less of their mom than they should, give her a second chance. Give her the opportunity for a do-over. It's been given to us. We've been forgiven much. We can and should forgive much. We thank you today for these reminders. What incredible faith of Hannah not to, not to give up. To bring embarrassment actually to herself and probably to her husband by standing up in the middle of church it just wasn't done in crying out to God what was on her heart. Give us that kind of faith. Give us that kind of courage to stand and make a promise to God that if he honors it, we'll keep it. And you do, and we should. We're grateful for do-overs. Help us to grant them as well as we receive them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.